The doc is in, and there's no need to stay in the waiting room for this episode of Health 411. Join Dr. Jonathan Karp as we discuss topics from health insurance to personal diet and exercise to up-to-date conversations in the healthcare industry and more. The Rider University Health Studies Institute presents Health 411, underwritten in part by the Ripovich Institute for New Jersey Politics and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University. Now, let's see what the diagnosis is for this week's episode of Health 411. Hey, 1077thebronc, 1077thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for a National Association of Broadcasters 2019 Marconi Award for Best College Radio Station. We are recording from the remote Bronx studios at Ryder University, and I'm Professor Jonathan Karp. Health 411, this radio program is presented by the Rebovich Institute for New Jersey Politics and the Ryder University Health Studies Institute. In Health 411, we discuss a variety of issues affecting health and wellness, public health, healthcare policy, and the politics of health and healthcare. Our goal is to expand your knowledge and perspective. Today, our recording with our student undergraduate producer, Isaac Harris, and our guest, Randy Meter. Randy is at the, the West Virginia University, where he is the assistant athletic director and the head athletic trainer. Welcome, Randy, and to, to, to our Health, Health 411 radio program. Thank you. Glad to be here. And we're very interested um, as a college radio station. Um, about before we talk about some specifics about sports injuries in general and how things are related, how changed under COVID. Can you tell the listeners, any students, how you got into athletic training and what spurred you on into a, a, a career where now you've had a, a long-term employment at West Virginia University? Well, I was the, uh, I was the route of a not good enough athlete and uh, <laughs> But enjoyed athletics and wanted to stay associated with athletics somehow. So my dad was actually a uh, photographer filmed at uh, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Oh, okay. He filmed all the uh, athletic teams, especially football and basketball. So I went and hung out with him some. And then he introduced me to the athletic trainer there. And the athletic trainer kind of took me under his wing and he probably wanted some cheap help and whatever else. And, uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed everything he taught me and showed me. And so, you know, after high school, that's where I went to uh, undergrad and went through their athletic training program, came to West Virginia University for grad school, right place, right time, and got hired here and worked up the corporate ladder to where I am now, still in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you you basically, you went to, so after undergrad, you went to graduate school at West Virginia University, and then you were a grad assistant trainer, and you basically, they hired you and you stayed on. Correct. Yeah, I was a graduate assistant with the football team at that time, and, um, you know, I was applying for jobs. I actually uh, got a couple job offers and everything, but the uh, men's basketball athletic trainer uh, quit that summer. And uh, they needed to hire someone very quickly because they were doing the basketball team was doing a European tour. Oh, so wow. again, finishing up my grad school, being in the right place at the right time, I was walked right into a, uh, you know, a, uh, I think it was a 14 day, 10 game, five country European tour uh, with the men's basketball team and then was retained, you know, that following year and 
Um, what a great graduate, what, what a great master's graduation present. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, it was really nice. Yeah. Oh, so for students who are listening, it's the, um, um, what Randy is sort of saying is, he was in the right place at the right time, but you, you also had to bust your butt and do well. So yeah. when, when an opportunity opened up, you were able to step into it as, as somebody who was recognized within the program as being an excellent student at that point. Yes, exactly. I mean, um, I, I look back on it, you know, and, uh, humorous and stuff like that. But at the same time, I mean, um, you know, it wasn't okay. He's here, just hire him. I mean, there was an interview process. I did check with uh, some of the previous people I'd worked with. Uh, I can remember one of the, uh, like I said, I was with the football team, and at that time, um, men's basketball, you know, uh, weight training wasn't emphasized as much, and I actually lifted over at football. And I remember during an interview with the head coach, uh, one of the basketball players came in and he was like, oh, yeah, he's one of the good guys. He, you know, when we're at football, he he takes care of us and, you know, he gives us attention and everything like that. And uh, he was a uh, uh, very good basketball player that's in our Hall of Fame now. And I give him always give him a lot of credit for helping me uh, get my first job and everything, because I think that really swayed the head coach. Yeah, so, and what you're, yeah. what you're saying is the, the people talk to each other. Right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. People talk, and, and and a positive, um, you know, if you you never know when you interact with people professionally, um, when a positive interaction is going to have an impact on your career down the road. And, definitely. You know, and that's one thing I emphasize with the students all the time, where it really pays to always give it your best shot and be polite and work well with everybody. Right, uh, right. Because you never really know. A football player talking to the, the you know, the, the administrators. Um, for the basketball team. That's right. I used to teach, uh, because of COVID and budget cutbacks, I didn't teach this year, but I used to teach uh, our senior seminar, which is our capstone class for our athletic training students. And, you know, I almost spend a whole uh, lecture just on networking and how important that is. Yes. To everything. Yes. It's, and, um, uh, athletic training profession, I think, is a tight fraternity. So that, that networking goes a long way. And then one of the newest uh, things I've tried to teach, and I still uh, supervise students in the clinic, uh is a uh, eq i mean we have to have emotional uh, emotional, emotional intelligence yeah emotional quotient to uh, know what's going on how to read the room you know when's a good time to approach a coach when's a good time not to same thing with the athlete when they're uh, upset from an injury or something like that so yeah those are the people skills are uh, hugely important and um you, you said you've been doing this you, you've been at you know, west virginia university for your entire career um, and I'll just, so what are some of the things in athletic training that have changed, um, from when you started to now? Well, the modality, I, I, I bring it up cause you brought up weight, weight lifting and weight training. That, yes. that's, that's probably a bomb thing, but that stirred my thought on it. No, no. Well, that's, that's a big thing. I mean, heck back then we didn't even have a strength coach, you know I mean? Like we actually, we shared with football and everything like that. We didn't have a weight room, you know, now. Now, you know, we're not talking about the 1950s either. We're talking like mid 80s, early 90s kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, now the weight room is uh, one of the biggest things to recruit and show off. Uh, the strength coach is heavily involved in recruiting and everything. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's very important. Uh, with athletic training, the, uh, the amount and type of modalities have changed tremendously since the mid 80s. And, you know, Unfortunately, one of the biggest changes right now is, you know, the COVID, how it still affected us. And 
not only in what we can and can't do, but also with our, our, our time frame with what, how it occupies so much of our time. So, but uh, yeah, it, we're definitely, we, we will definitely talk about COVID and how it's affected what you do. Um, Isaac and I were joking about, we've done so many COVID shows on this radio program. Sometimes we try to get a, a, away from a little bit, but we, we, we will, we will, we will connect it. And um, yeah. I don't mind if we I, don't. I, I, I do want to do I want to let me just dive a little bit deeper into the weight training thing because you brought it up. Um, what people have all I mean known about like lifting weights and the the joke that I tell is um, when I was you know when I was still an athlete not just an athletic supporter um, <laughs> you know I, I I lifted a little bit back in those days and my father was an older guy I said oh got got very concerned um, because in his generation athletes didn't lift the only people who lifted were people who were like the, the gay men who were interested in attracting other gay men. And, but, and that's changed a lot in terms of, like you almost can't be an athlete now without lifting, even in high school before college. Um, and, and can you talk a little bit about that and what you've seen in your career and professionally, how people are looking at it? Oh, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, the, the uh, intelligence and science behind the weight training and the strength and conditioning coaches has increased tremendously. And that and for the most part, that only helps the athletic trainer in his job because, you know, the more injuries we can prevent, mm -hmm. the less work we have. And I don't get paid more for more injuries. So, and, uh, you know, uh, you can concentrate more on uh, improving performance. And, of course, that's what the uh, strength coach wants. But a good strength coach will also address the common injuries with the sport that they're working with. And we're blessed with a good one right now. And, you know, we, he really tries to work on ankle and core and things like that to help prevent the injuries that we're going to have with basketball all the time. So, you know, it's a twofold thing, improve performance and uh, prevent injuries. And those go hand in hand. Hopefully you have a more successful season. Mm -hmm. so. And we'll, we'll dive into those things a little bit. The other term that you introduced uh, when I asked you some of the things that have changed, you said the, the modalities have changed, athletic training modalities. Can you be a little bit more specific for our listeners and tell us what you meant by that? Sure. Uh, the availability and variety of electric stim um, is, is much greater than it was even in the 80s. Um, laser is something that's more popular. Um, uh, there's some other um, different type of, let's just put them all into a pain category, a pain type of uh, treatment modalities are much different. And then even ultrasound has been around, but again, the variability, the, uh, the difference that different ultrasound machines can do has uh, definitely increased in the last 35, 40 years. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's just a lot more tools in our box that we can go to to help the athlete recover from their injury. Yeah, and, and you brought up two things, which we, we will talk about in um, segments in just a minute, because we're going to take a break for some underwriting announcements. We're going to talk about things that uh, Randy Meter has talked about in terms of not only treating in injuries, but preventing injuries that are part of the athletic training um, staff. Um, after we break, break, 
for some brief underwriting announcements. You're listening to Health 411 on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 The Bronx. This is Health 411, truthful health information to expand your knowledge and perspective. The Rider University Health Studies Institute presents Health 411, underwritten in part by the Repovich Institute for New Jersey Politics and Rider University. Continue your studies with Rider University's online and part-time options at rider.edu slash next step. We're back with Dr. Jonathan Karp, only on 1077 The Bronx. 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronc.com. Recording from the remote Bronx studios, welcome back to Health 411. I'm Professor Jonathan Karp. I am here with Randy Meter and Isaac Harris, our undergraduate student um, producer, and we were having a conversation about athletic training. Um, in the last segment, we were hearing from Randy about some of the things that have changed uh, in athletic training um, over the years that he's been at West Virginia University, which is uh, several decades now. We don't have to give an exact number. Um, but in the break, Isaac, you said you had a couple questions that you did. Yeah, I, I did. And hi, Randy. Uh, nice to see you again. We know each other for a very long time since uh, since I was a little boy begging for um, ankle for ice, getting ankle at basketball camp. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to ask you, um, since you, we were talking about how you have to um, try to find ways to prevent, uh, you're, there's more focus on preventing injuries now with working with the strength coaches. What's, um, speak with preventing injuries, what are some of the different ways that recovery has evolved with that well, working with the strength coaches? Another huge area that, again, in the 80s, there really wasn't much emphasis on recovery. But also, I think the athletes' time wasn't as um, committed or there wasn't as much demand on their time. But the recovery, I mean, we have, you know, from simple things as foam rolling to stretching, which, which we should mention the simple things because everybody has availability to these, you know, from the high school right. to the uh, weekend warrior and everything. Uh, foam rolling, stretching, nutrition, and sleep. Those are huge recoveries. And if you ignore those and try and do the other things, you're still just cheating yourself. But th those have been around and that's all good. But we have other electrical modalities uh, such as a Mark Pro that can be used for recovery. Uh, also, as you remember Isaac, obviously we got the cold tub and hot tub here. I have an underwater uh, treadmill and therapy pool. Uh, we have a crowd chamber in the uh, weight room. Um, we're just now moving the, uh, the treadmill area has been cleared out and we're going to put a uh, light therapy bed in there for recovery. Oh, wow. Uh, we have the, yeah, we have the Rockefeller Neuroscience Institute that's uh, available to us. Um, we also have uh, the uh, salt bath there. Um, we have the uh, Normatex, which are like an air compression boot uh, to help with recovery. And then we also, uh, in season, we will schedule uh, massages with a massage therapist. Yeah, it sounds like recovery is still a pretty big part of, part of WVU. Oh, well, uh, so you, you're making me think about an interesting thing. Um, and one of the things you said is a lot of things are available to everybody. It's nutrition, it's sleep, you know, uh, stretching. Um, and then you talk about some of the really cool stuff, the yeah. machines that go ping that you guys have at your disposal. For the, for the athletes themselves, one of the I can imagine one of the things that has to take place when they come from high school, from whatever they have in high school, all those tools are probably not available. 
and then they come to you know a large you know national program. Can you, can you talk, tell us about the transition of the athletes, their learning process, um, well, as it relates to both injury prevention and healing? Yes. Well, it's kind of funny. Uh, I had a freshman last year and he's sophomore this year, and he came from a very well area school, and uh, it's near my hometown too. So I knew of the school, and he came in, and as a freshman, he was asking for cupping, dry needling. <laughs> And massage. Now, you know, I was kind of taken back from that because there's other freshmen, or even we have some junior college people here that almost don't know what an athletic trainer even is because, like, their athletic trainer didn't go to every game, didn't go to every practice. Maybe you didn't have the people skills or whatever. They're like, you know, who are you? What do you do? And I try and explain to them. And then I got the other guy here that's a demanding freshman. And uh, yeah, so you know the there can be a big difference in background of of what has been available to the high school athlete and what what isn't so you know at the beginning of the summer or school year whenever i see the new freshman there's sometimes a lot of education that has to be uh given to help those athletes realize what my role is and you know what we can do for them now of course the more they buy in the better so mm -hmm. Do, do you find that um, some of your athletes who, in order to get to your university, are already high-performing athletes? Like, uh, they, think they, they think they know it already and have it figured um, out? There's some that think they know it already, and there's some of them that have already left. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, I, I tease them, too. I, I try and keep people in check because uh, I'm here to support them and everything. But uh, I think Isaac knows I, the big ego – I, I struggle with that sometimes and I, they still need to be a good person. And, you know, I, 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 I emphasize simple things like please and thank you. And, you know, that we're here to help them, but not to be their slaves either or anything like that. And so, you know, I'll, I'll try and keep their egos in check. Um, and, and I think it'll just help them. Um, I, I always tell them, you know, your mind's like a parachute. It only works when it's open. So, you know, if they already, if they already know it all, you know, there's no reason for them to be here. You know, this is a university, you're supposed to be here to learn, you know, or a, I know it's getting older, but you know, Michael Jordan wanted to be coached. Zach Foster. That was the, uh, sorry about that. You know, Michael Jordan wanted to be coached and he was one of the greatest of all times. Now you can always have the Kobe and LeBron argument, but let's face it. I mean, he, he was one of the best and he wanted to be coached and you come in here as a freshman or sophomore and already know it all, and yeah, I'm not sure you're going to have a real successful career here. So, uh, and that that might be true irrespective of what sport you're engaged in. You know, right. And I mean, unless you have the most patient head coach in the world that wants to deal with that. But if you know, I mean, our coach is like three wins, I think, from 900 victories. I think he's pretty well established and knows what he's doing. You might want to be coached by him. You know, he's put he's put more people in the NBA than your high school coach, your AAU coach, and your parents. So, you know, it'd be wise probably to listen to him. So. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and so there's, a, there's an old expression that I sometimes use with my students is like, if you have a, the possibility of doing whatever you do better, why wouldn't you listen, you know? Right, and so, right. And, and the, the athletic trainers have a role in that. Um, and what's the best time for an athlete to start talking to athletic trainers? 
is it um, what well, I'm trying to get it, it's I'm trying to get you to say it's not just after an injury happens. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, like everyone here is supposed to be taped for every practice. So, you know, I try and talk to them while they're taping. Now, if they have their AirPods in and they're talking to everyone else or they're playing uh, Call of Duty and they're not <laughs> conversing with anyone else and they're just into themselves, you know, I, I start wondering or one, I'll make fun of them, but two, I'll wonder, you know, how, how good a teammate are they? Are they just are, are they selfish? Or are they just here for themselves? Or, you know, this is a team sport, you know, don't you want to interact with your teammates and, and get to know what's going on? And, you know, I got an individual out here working on a long-term rehab, you know, and uh, the, the part of long-term rehab is to get to know the athlete and develop a relationship. And, you know, if their AirPods are in there the whole time, they don't talk, and then I might as well be talking to the wall. You know, we can talk about the disadvantages of Zoom, but there's advantages of Zoom. I mean, you know, seeing Isaac, meeting you, seeing a face, like you said, even though this is only radio, seeing each other uh, makes it more interesting and uh, we can converse and, and uh, we can even see the uh, nonverbal communication that occurs, you know, <laughs> and, and I think that's huge. I, I mean, I talked to coach several times about the uh, body language, you know, uh, 15 athletes on the court and you see all different types of body language and the ones that are, you know, the eye contact with the nodding of the head when they're being coached, when it's a difficult practice, when it's a difficult time versus the ones that, you know, are walking away or looking away or, or uh, look like a spanked puppy because uh, the coach is yelling at them. I, you know, there's a big difference between which one of those two is really going to improve. And what you're bringing up is in a sense, the psychological aspects of athletic training and that openness is that is that one thing that's yeah. changed a lot over the over the decades uh you know i don't know i don't know if it's so much athletic training or my armchair uh coaching and uh quarterbacking and everything because i do have a competitive spirit and uh was able to coach uh kids for a while years back and everything and i enjoyed that but uh i see it too as athletic training because you know Someone that wants to get back, you can see it. You can hear it. You can see it in their body language and everything. Ones that are using an injury to get out of a practice or I hate to say don't care so much, you can see that and you can hear it too, you know? So, you know, I like working. People say, oh, what's your favorite sport to work with? What's your favorite? It's who wants to get better. You know what I mean? I don't care what sport they're from. If they want to work and get better, those are the best people to work with by far. The ones that are being dogs or malingers, those, those are the ones that are tough to work with because, and one, I didn't choose athletic training for that. If I wanted to work with workman's comp or people that are trying to get out of stuff, I'd be in a clinic, you know what I mean? Or something like that. I don't want workman's comp. I want people that want to get back and compete. Yeah, excellent. Um, you're spurring several ideas for a conversation, but uh, I need to take a break for some underwriting announcements. Uh, we'll be right back to Health 411. You're listening to 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. This is Health 411, truthful health information to expand your knowledge and perspective. The Rider University Health Studies Institute presents Health 411, underwritten in part by the Repovich Institute for New Jersey Politics and Rider University. Continue your studies with Rider University's online and part-time options at rider.edu slash next step. We're back with Dr. Jonathan Karp, only on 1077 The Bronx. 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronc.com, recording from the remote Bronx studios. So welcome back to Health 411. 
We're having a conversation today with Randy Meter, the assistant athletic director and the head athletic trainer at West Virginia University. At the end of the last segment, uh, Randy was telling us a little bit about what I call the psychological component of athletic training. Um, and he indicated that, you know, he really likes working with athletes who are motivated to want to get better and prevent injuries. And it made me think of something that I experienced. And um, one of my sons, who's also a college athlete, has noticed this um, in, his, in his athletic career, is that injuries are not the same for all of us. Some of us you know, if you tear an ACL, one of the things we're talking about in the break, you know you're injured and you're hurt. But there are also some athletes who might um, have a bad day, like a baseball pitcher has a bad day on the mound and then starts, you know, claiming an injury or, you know, oh, I had, and do you see some of that in your athletes? And how do you deal with that? Because, you know, as somebody who you're looking for somebody who wants to go out there and give, you know, 100% and, but nobody's successful all the time. You see where I'm getting at? And can oh, you really talk about that say, a little bit? I was going to say, did you want me to answer daily, weekly, monthly? Or <laughs> uh, definitely see that. And, you know, even the high, most motivated athlete, you know, no coach wins 100%. I mean, my gosh, if you won 90% or practiced and played well 90% of the time, that's still 10% that they're going to either have a bad day or not be that good. And, you know, I, I, I tell – one of my other things that I'd say is KYP. Isaac might even remember KYP, but uh, know your personnel. I mean, the yeah, coaches, I use it as a, coaches use it as a scouting report, but I still, I say KYP to the students I'm working with or, or treating because know your personnel. Some people are going to have different levels of pain tolerance. You know, uh, some athlete may walk in here, like I said, daily every day and say, this hurts, that hurts, this hurts. And it's like, okay. You know, take care of it, but tomorrow you know it's going to be something else. Don't worry about it. You know it's not that serious. KYP, know your personnel. But then if, uh, you know, John Smith walks in here who never complains of anything, and he says, my knee's hurting, so you better drop everything and look at his knee and really take care of it because knowing your personnel, John Smith never complains, or at least 90 out of 100 days he never complains. So when he, when he comes in here, you know, you need to listen to him. And, and over 35 years, you're blessed with a variety of both of those type of athletes. And, and uh, you know, you, you treat them with both of them with respect and, and, and try and take care of them. But you do realize that, you know, one may not be as severe or serious as the other. And the other one, yes, you better take a, pay a little bit more attention and see what's really up with uh, that injury. And, and, and I'm just going to ask you, the, abil the ability for you to recognize that is an, an important part of the, you know, emotional quotient skills. Um, but as an athletic trainer, do you try to change that in athletes or you just let them go with it? It depends. I look at a window of opportunity too. I mean, if it's game day, I'm not going to try and start an argument or I don't think that's a day to, you know, really try and teach them. But, you know, if they're, if they're looking at me and it's like, well, this has been bothering me for three weeks. Well, let's review this. What have you done in the last three weeks to address this ankle sprain? You know, you came in here on day one, we treated it once. I didn't see you for five days. You know what I mean? You're not really getting your ankle better if you're not doing any ice, any heat, any stretching, any modalities. And now you come back a week later and you're complaining of the same thing. What did you do to make it better or worse? You know what I mean? All you've been doing is practicing, but you haven't worked on it. 
So, you know, given that situation, yeah, I'll, I'll try and review with them what they're doing and, and may, probably or why it's bothering them. Um, or, you know, even if there's, let's say there is nothing per se, I'll, I'll review with them. Well, you've done this multiple times and you've always been able to compete. So I don't see any reason why you can't compete this time. You know, I, I'll try not calling them soft. Um, some of them I may, but those are the ones I can joke with or whatever. Again, you, you, you learn different personalities of, of different uh, individuals. And I remember when I was a student athletic trainer in college, the head athletic trainer at the time said, if the guy, if, if one of the athletes sees you across the court and runs over to you and then complains that, you know, <laughs> their ankle is sore, you're sort of like watching, going like, what? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, it's something you, I think you develop over time, though, too. You know, uh, you, you, don't, you always want to make sure they're performing at the, the, their highest ability. But if there's an injury that you can't even recognize, I mean, there's no limp, no nothing. There's not affecting performance at all. I mean, you still want to work with it. But is it, you know, how much is it really bothering them versus a guy that is time is limited or you see their function is limited? And, you know, those guys you need to have in the athletic training room all the time getting treatment to get better. Do you ever feel like you need to offer like a psych consult to some of these people? Well, we have a sports psychologist too, you know, so, but uh, our, our coach, he's pretty demanding. Um, he handles a lot of that. I mean, if you're not going to, you're not going to practice, you're, you're not going to be around here very long. So it's, it's either. So, so it does or not. At, at that level of expectation, students are not or athletes are not going to be able to claim their performance as being hampered by like the nagging injury for very very long nah, not very long <laughs> no I mean, not, yeah. no not there no no, no no yeah i mean you know and i have uh you know i got a physician assistant right in our room i got easy access to orthopods and our sports medicine physicians um you know I, I just don't want to x-ray and MRI everything because, I mean, it's, it seems to be a waste of time or money to MRI everything. But when necessary, obviously, they're available. And, yeah, if, if we're seeing nothing on all of these, but yet the kid's still complaining, it's time to either buckle up or transfer. Yeah. Right. And speaking of that, I wanted to ask, like, because we're talking about those injuries, and I know, like, for my own personal experience as an athlete, and even you remember my brother going through, has his own injuries while we're at WV. Is is there do you think it's a lot of it if like an athlete does not have confidence in that they put in the work to be healthy? Is that part of the reason why that they might see like psychologically they might feel like, oh no, like I don't I don't I'm still sore, I'm still hurt. Is that part of the reason too? Yeah, a, a lot of it's their um personality too. I mean and I, I don't, when I just say their upbringing, I, I hate to say someone that was spoiled by their mom isn't tough, but you know, if they never, if, if their mom or dad never told them to play, even though they had a thigh contusion or something like that, well, then all of a sudden it's a drastic change to come from high school to college. And, you know, the coach is asking them to practice three hours a day, six days a week, you know, that, well, I never had to do that in high school. Well, you're not in high school anymore, you know? But at this, and then also you take into the a personality of a, a maybe a perfectionist, someone or an OCD that wants everything laid out for them and everything has to be perfect for them to perform at their level. Well, again, 
it may not be perfect in a seven, especially when you go three hours a day, six days a week. And the coach is very demanding and very, and it's very physical practices. And they're not used to that where they came from. It, it, it messes with their psyche. It messes with their mind and they have a harder time dealing with it. Now they can come up with some excuse and, and sometimes it is a, a ghost injury or a, a something that's nagging them a little bit. But again, I have to determine, is it, is it hurting them or hurting their function? Or is it something, yeah, you're a little sore, you could take care of it afterwards. Now, are you going to be willing to do that or not? So, yeah, it's a fine line. Yeah, a fine line it is. Sometimes hard to manage and find a good fit. Um, I want to ask this question too. Um, back in the, you know, in, in the dark ages, um, going back tools and to, to moving athletic training forward, a big thing that if whenever injuries were, um, happen, let's say a sprained ankle or some sort of soft tissue injury. Um, the, the, you've probably heard this, you know, ice, you know, ice compression elevation, you know, yeah. that, that was like the mantra. And the yeah. goal was to do that after an injury to prevent inflammation. And one of the things that I imagine has changed over the years is how people look at tissue inflammation. Where do you stand in the idea that, you know, preventing inflammation acutely after an injury is an, a real important thing to do? Well, that's, that's a tough one. You've really, uh, <clears throat> not my coworkers, but there's, uh, there's other people out there that don't believe in ice like they used to, that the body's chemical reactions need to go through the cycle. I, I feel, though, that once the injury occurred, that cycle has already started. And the chemical reactions that are occurring in the body uh, have already started, and they're going to occur. Now, how large do we want them to occur? Um, right we need inflammation to have healing but that inflammation has probably already started before i can even put the first ice on there so it's in the body and it's happening but i've seen swelling restrict motion restrict strength so why would i not want to put ice on that acute injury that's going to start blowing up and but that we need the inflammation to heal well there's inflammation with a little bit of swelling that's not restricting the ankle or knee movement versus the great deal of inflammation that's occurring when the knee is or ankle is very swollen and it's restricting a lot of motion and a lot of strength and it's going to take me longer to get them back. Now, if there's not, if it's chronic overuse type thing, I'll buy into that more that the ice may not be as effective. But I know this too, I look at things, um, which one can cause less damage or less problem? Well, if I'm putting heat on something that's acute and it causes more capillary blood flow and more swelling, I can probably make things worse. You know, but if I put ice on there, as long as we don't leave it on there too long, the worst case scenario is frostbite, but I wouldn't allow that to happen. So I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I know that that is an issue. In the yes, it is. It is very much an issue right now. And, um, you know, I, I'm still a firm believer in ice. Um, is there other things that could be done with that chronic just patellar tendonitis, but there's no swelling? Yeah, definitely there's other things to be done. But when uh, we were at TCU last night and it's uh, 9.30 and we got to get on the bus in five minutes and get on the plane in 25 minutes, I don't have time to foam roll, stretch, uh, do manual therapy and do all those other things. So it might be a nice bag to go. The athlete still likes it and believes in it and it helps reduce their pain and makes them feel better the next day. To me, that's a win-win situation. 
would the other things possibly be better? Sure, but I don't have that time. We don't have that time on the road. Excellent. So we have to take a break for some underwriting announcements. We'll be right back to continue this conversation on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. This is Health 411, truthful health information to expand your knowledge and perspective. The Rider University Health Studies Institute presents Health 411, underwritten in part by the Repovich Institute for New Jersey Politics and Rider University. Continue your studies with Rider University's online and part-time options at rider.edu slash next step. We're back with Dr. Jonathan Karp, only on 1077 The Bronx. 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronc.com. Welcome back to Health 411. I'm Professor Jonathan Karp, having a conversation today with Randy Meter from the University of West Virginia, where he is the Assistant Athletic Director and Head of Athletic Training. Um, with an emphasis on the basketball team. Um, and Isaac, you had a question for Randy that you wanted to start this last segment with. I know, we, I know at, at toward the end of the last segment, yeah, I have a nice question for him uh, that hopefully he can answer this. <laughs> um, at the end of the last segment, we were talking about how sometimes you don't have time to do certain treatments if you're on a very aggressive road schedule. And I know at Ryder, our our men's our basketball teams are actually our, a lot of our athletic teams aren't on as an aggressive aren't on as a an aggressive national like road schedule compared to West Virginia and the other Power Fives or um, other big time schools like that. What's the what's one of the things that you try to like limit from time consuming? Because I know you went through the whole Big East from being regional to having some games you can drive through to now every single game you're on a flight and. How, how do you manage those injuries or just treatment when you have to be on the road, especially like you were just about to be on a three game road trip. You're about to spend two weeks in the state of Texas uh, for games. So what's the best ways to manage that? And how do you tell uh, student athletic trainers to uh, manage that when to prepare for that? Well, we probably travel with a few more things than we used to. And uh, with the power five, we're, we're blessed. And with coach Huggins to, uh, charter so you know we did come back after the game last night but we were in texas since last friday so uh for the most part we're injury free i do have one long-term rehab and he traveled with us and you know i just try and change things up do different things uh there was a pool in one hotel so he's able to use a pool for rehab instead of uh just uh normal exercises but uh you know the recovery tools that you're able to travel with, you try and use those some. Uh, smaller modalities that you can travel with, you try and use those some. And try, hopefully stay healthy. So that's always nice too. So Right. Is there an athlete favorite of the modalities on the road? I know, I know for me, when I was at the West Virginia's manager, I, I love the game ready. <laughs> uh, you know, the game ready is a good device for me. Uh, I think they like the Norma Tech too. Um, you know, some of the nicer hotels have the hot tub and the pool. Um, uh, we actually kind of bought like a, I hate to say like a, almost it's like a baby pool. They don't advertise it as that, but it's a small portable pool that will make a cold tub. So. Uh, oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we can set up a cold tub right in someone's uh, bathroom. So. Uh, so again, we, you know, it's just what you can travel with. And again, being in the Power Five, it's nice because we probably have a little bit larger budget where we can buy more of these toys, recovery tools, than um, some of the other schools. So, 
Um, has, I mean, speaking of the travel, is some of us being limited in, in college athletics because of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, has the pandemic and sort of the, uh, and the changes in training affected some of the injuries that you're seeing? You know, that's a tough question and a good question. I, you know, overall, so we were shut down last March 13th. So we're almost coming up on a year. And we had no athletics until after July 1. Uh-huh. And who would have ever thought a Power 5 conference would not work out, you know, for April, May, June, almost three and a half months. But the assumption is the athletes are working out, but, you know, on their own. So on their own, yeah. Some were, some weren't. <laughs> but, you know, three and a half months rest, we actually saw less injuries last fall than typical. Oh, very wow. interesting. So, you know, it would help or make me think maybe the coaches should evaluate how demanding they are and that rest may not be a bad thing. But now we also because then sometimes some of the coaches were trying to put so much into such a little time frame, we did have some different types of injuries um, that we didn't see as often. Um, so the spectrum was different. You know, the overuse type stress fractures we didn't see and some of the other overuse injuries we didn't, but then we saw some other injuries that we didn't see as often. So COVID, yes, did change our injury situation. And you'd like to say, oh, it was greater. No, it really wasn't. We had less of, I think, severe injuries, but we had some different severe injuries. And then overall, we had less injuries. So So what do you think the compliance was with the athletes in terms of working out on their own? uh, True bell curve. Yeah, so I have I have two two sons who are college athletes. One's a grad student right now, um, who has that extra year because of COVID NCAA eligibility. Um, and they both took. They're not at like schools, you know, high profile schools like you are. But they both took their time off last spring pretty seriously for their working, right? But they're not at one of these premier places where you know they you know they they had to work because they're not like that God given talent kind of thing. Um, and so I'm wondering at the, these, some of these athletes, do you feel like everybody took it seriously or were some people saying, you know, I'm good enough. I don't really need to. No, again, the personalities, even though we're at this high level, the, the, some of them are just God gifted talents. You know what I mean? And, and they walk through high school because they're 6'10". Well, they're better than everyone else because they're 6'10". You know what I mean? Or they're just gifted at being fast. That, that doesn't mean they always work as hard as maybe a d2 or d3 they just have some true talent but there's also those ones that work so when i say a bell curve there was those ones that were really working hard there's ones that were doing you know what they were supposed to do and then there's the ones at the bottom of the curve and um it was easy to see when we reconvened you know (laughs) who was where Okay, um, that, 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 was, that must have been fascinating to sort of watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. And, you know, uh, strength coaches, athletic trainers, coaches at times were frustrated, but you knew you couldn't just, one, the NCA was good that we weren't allowed to just beat the crap out of them and try and get them back in one week. Now, there was progression. 
which there needed to be, and uh, cooler heads prevailed, which was smart. You know, coming back in July or August with really deconditioned athletes, you know, everybody's so worried about COVID. Uh, I'd sit in some meetings and I'd look at people and I was like, um, we may be able to prevent COVID, but we don't need to have MRSA all over the place. Or we may be able to prevent COVID, but we don't need people dying of heat exhaustion. You know, so we still need to use common sense and thank goodness for the most that prevailed. So yeah, that that was one of the that was gonna gonna be one of my follow-ups. Did, did you see a lot of buy-in from I mean I the sort of the you're sort of the health side athletic training, but you have strength coaches, you have you know, coaches, assistant coaches, you know, who you know win at all costs. They just they yeah. just want to win. And did you're saying there was a lot of buy-in across well, a lot of buy-in. Um I I I could brag about some coaches and strength coaches that were unbelievable with the buy-in. I could tell you some that were on a roller coaster, depending almost on what week it was or who was affected or how the election was going and the uh, economy. And then there was the ones that still, it's a hoax, it's a flu, you know, but that, that was a more of a minimal. Um, uh, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, so, so a career in athletic training, part of what you're saying is not repetitive. For oh. so students who are listening and thinking, oh, this sounds really interesting. It's, it doesn't sound like one day is ever like the next day. Oh, no. And that's one thing I really enjoy. Now, this year with the COVID, I could take it and throw it away because, I mean, I mean there's been rewards and, and the basketball team's doing well and uh, I, I enjoy working with the athletes, so don't get that wrong. And I was just uh, talking to someone or messaging with someone last night, you know, when when my job this year feels like an athletic trainer, I, I really enjoy it. But when I feel like that healthcare worker who all I'm doing is scheduling COVID testing every day of the week for, you know, about 15 teams and communicating that with all the coaches and everybody, when I'm doing follow-up cardiac work on the positives, you know, and then doing all my spreadsheets and charts and keeping track of all that billing, that that's not why I got into athletic training. And that's why for this almost this past year, I could like throw it away and be okay. But yeah, typically yeah, we do something different every day and I enjoy that. It's pretty exciting. Um, Isaac, any, any we're, as we're running out of time, any last questions for Randy? Um, I got two, one quick one, <laughs> yeah. I got one quick one is about, I know West Virginia and a lot of different schools are different. And you guys were mentioning about the trying to get back into acclimate. You guys actually track the data of the athletes in practice with sensors. Um, Can you talk about how, how that affects uh, going into like, I guess with your, with athletic training now, because that's usually, I know from, from Dr. Carp talking about how it was back in the olden days, there wasn't really a, a lot of tracking like that. There's a lot of analytics going into it. So I know you want to just anyway, briefly yeah, uh, talk well, I mean, about that. So, you know, we've been using a GPS system for a couple of years and the strength coach is really good at that. And uh, Tyler Chang, we have a full-time analytical person with that. And he looks at stats of uh, games, but he also looks at the uh, stats of uh, the GPS and polar tracking system. Then we also got a new Connexon, which does a contact tracing for us. That was required by the big 12. It's pretty cool. So we have up to three things that we can track and it provides more information than we need. 
And again, was that available in the 80s? No. But, you know, even just with the um, positive COVID cases, what I can see off the polar with the heart rate as they were coming back, it was amazing the difference pre-COVID versus post-COVID on these wow. apps. Wow, that's a, I you never thought I never thought I mean I remember seeing it when you guys were when they were trying it out. I never thought it would actually help in seeing yes. a difference data wise for like heart heart rates. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I guess um, my last question is uh, unrelated at all. Favorite twin? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't, I can't. Uh, of course, you because I'm here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I tell Daniel that. That's the perfect opportunity for for, for me to say we're, we're unfortunately we're at the end of the program. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Health 411 on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 The Bronx.com. Um, I want to thank today Randy Meter, the Assistant Athletic Director and Head of Athletic Training at West Virginia University. Thank you, Randy. This has been a great conversation. Um, Health 411 is part of Ryder University's efforts to bring people together to address all issues associated with health and healthcare. I hope today's conversation is give you something to think about, about careers in athletic training and athletic training in the times of COVID-19 pandemic. If you have questions and or comments about this program, please email us at health411 at rider.edu. That was this week's episode of Health 411 with Dr. Jonathan Karp. Tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. to learn truthful information about your health and the healthcare industry. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Health 411 to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. The Rider University Health Health Studies Institute presents Health 411, underwritten in part by the Ripovich Institute for New Jersey Politics and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University. We'll see you soon, only on 1077 The Bronx.